Scaling Up Nation, there's a new standard out there that you may or may not have heard of called ASSE 12080. If you haven't heard of it, ASSE 12080 is a new professional qualification standard for people providing water management plans or Legionella-related services. Now that you've heard about it, what are you going to do about it? Here's what I did. I signed up for HC Info's online digital platform to get the required 24 hours of training so I could take the certification exam. There are other training courses out there, but they all require you to take time out of your busy schedule to attend a week-long video conference style class. I did not have a week to give up during my prime business hours. Using HC Info's easy to use platform, I can take classes on my schedule, which for me is at night. Some nights I take several classes, some nights I don't take any classes. The point is I can fit it in when I'm able to. The content is straightforward and teaches you what you need to know to become a certified professional. Don't wait until your customers ask you if you are certified, get it done now. Trust me, once your customers find out about this standard, they are going to demand the people they work with are certified. HC Info already offers the most economical solution to training. As a Scaling Up H2O listener, you can take an additional 7% off by using the discount code SCALINGUP5. Already an HC Info Lamps member, you'll receive an even bigger discount. Take it from me and use the easiest, most schedule-friendly and economical way to get your ASSE 12080 training today by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash HCinfo. That's scalinguph2o.com forward slash H-C-I-N-F-O. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore, the host of Scaling Up H2O, and happy December, everybody. Can you believe it? 2020 is almost over. I know a lot of people are fine saying goodbye to 2020. But I think we have to give it to ourselves. We've learned a lot about a lot of things this year in 2020. Now, let's face it. Some have been good. Some have been bad. But the fact is, we have all gotten through it. And we've learned through it, which I believe has made us all better. It's made us stronger. It's going to make us better and stronger in 2021. So all the things that we've had to endure, we are going to get the benefit of that. I know we are stronger as people, our companies are stronger as companies. All of those things are going to play forward when we get into 2021. But we're still in 2020 and I wanna look back on 2020. And back in March, the Rising Tide Mastermind in connection with this podcast, the Scaling Up H2O podcast, put on a 13-part webinar series. 
Now, many of you have watched those webinars. If you haven't, you can go to scalinguph2o.com and you can navigate over to our resources page and you can see all of those webinars. Those webinars were on items like financial, marketing, HR, health, conducting better Zoom meetings. We had a bunch of webinars. And I want to let the Scaling Up Nation know that all of these webinars came to be because on the Rising Tide Mastermind calls during February, during March, we were asking each other, how do we weather this storm of a pandemic? How do we deal with lockdowns? How do we deal with customers not wanting to see us? How do we deal with our people working from home? How do we deal with not being able to see new prospective customers? Folks, nobody knew the answers, but what that forced us to do was figure out what were all the things that we needed help with because none of us had experienced a pandemic before. And then that allowed me to have a list of topics and go out and find market professionals that understood all these different areas and that were staying up to date on a daily basis, how things were changing and how that was going to impact the particular discipline that they were so versed in. So through the Rising Tide Mastermind, we gathered that list. I and the team at Scaling Up H2O, we found experts to come on and deliver those webinars. And then we made those free to the entire Scaling Up Nation because we knew if we had those questions, you had those questions. And as you know, a rising tide raises all ships. So that allowed us to get that information out there. And so many members of the Scaling Up Nation have written in to say thank you for that. That gave them valuable information to help them make better decisions. Well, of course, many of those people were associations of Water Technologies members, and the AWT knew that we were doing this. In fact, the AWT promoted this on some of their listserv pages. And Jill Cavano, a great friend of mine, a vendor that we use, she makes incredible water treatment products. She takes our recipes and makes sure that they make the best possible version of our products. Well, she is a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind, a member of AWT, and Jill and I were asked by the Association of Water Technologies to do a webinar for the recent convention on things that we learned during the pandemic. We talked about how we learned them, what we're doing to continue to learn new information, and just continuing to take what we know now, knowing that nothing is in stone, it's going to change tomorrow, but taking the best information that we have and making decisions with it. So Jill and I had the privilege of doing a webinar explaining those very things to the AWT audience. And what you are going to hear right now is that very webinar. So folks, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn something. Hello, and welcome to the webinar, Navigating the Pandemic While Innovating for the Future. 
My name is Trace Blackmore. I have a water treatment company business. I also host a podcast called Scaling Up H2O. And I'm here with my good friend, Jill Cavano of Scranton Associates. Uh, Jill, this is going to be a great webinar. I think there's a little bit of something for everybody. I think everybody's going to have a handful of takeaways that uh, they can instantly start working on their business, whether they're a supplier, whether they're a water treatment company owner. So I'm really excited to get started. I am too. Well, what's our first topic that we're going to talk about? Our first topic is company culture. Um, what company culture means to me is the shared values, the attitudes and behaviors of a company and its employees. Um, I have a favorite quote about company culture from Simon Sinek. My favorite quote is, customers will never love a company until the employees love it first. And I think that especially during this pandemic, company culture is more important than ever with all of the uncertainty just to navigate through the pandemic and keep your employees informed and kind of have a, a cohesive unit is very important. Yeah, I love that quote by Simon Sinek. And I love that we're talking about culture and, and culture is a really big thing here at, at my company. And I've even had the opportunity to help other companies develop their culture. And more often than not, people think when they hear the word culture, they're thinking touchy-feely. And it really isn't. You know, the definition that I pulled up for it is probably everything but touchy-feely, the manifestation of human intellectual achievement regarding collectivity. You know, that couldn't be more scientific. Uh, I think my definition personally is it's the glue, the cultural glue that binds everybody together. And, and when you look at why people leave a company, you know, sometimes people leave for money, but very seldom it's a money issue. It's because they lost connection with that company. And that means culture. When people feel they are being fulfilled on many different levels because they jive with that culture, people thrive in that community. You know, another thing I like to think of when I think of culture is the tribe mentality. You know, when we're part of a tribe, we feel that we belong, we feel like we can contribute. And when we're a member of that tribe, you know, we, we know that we belong. And now we throw into the mix, we've got stay-at-home orders, we've got people working remotely, we've got this stuff called COVID-19, and how do we deal with culture with all this other stuff that we're now having to deal with? Trace, I agree completely. I think company culture has changed, I guess you could say pre-COVID, I guess mid-COVID, uh, post-COVID. I think now company culture, you know, especially for us, is more important than ever. There's so much information out there. It's, it's misinformation. The times are uncertain. You don't want people to become scared. You want to do everything that you can to alleviate stress um, in your staff. So what I've done to kind of foster a sense of, you know, company culture even more so than we've done is just made sure to communicate more with my employees. I find that we meet more, even if it's not an official meeting. We just meet to talk about, you know, the expectations of how to keep ourselves safe at work, how to keep ourselves safe outside of work, you know, any new procedures that we're going to institute. We'll touch more on that later, you know, all of the things that we've had to change. You know, we can't really work remote as a manufacturer. So meeting with my employees and staff and keeping them up to date is really key. And I find that that's kind of 
brought our company closer together and made our culture even stronger. I've tried to do things such as, you know, have special luncheons um, because this is a stressful time for everybody. You know, it is really kind of the great unknown. We've all never navigated this before. So culture is so important. How do you know that you have a good, strong company culture, would you say? You know, it's a, it's a really good question. You know, when I think of if I were to look up my company filings with the state of Georgia, it lists me as the chief executive officer. And that's how the state sees me. But I really look at myself that my job is I'm the chief cultural officer. So I'm the, I'm the tribe leader of this tribe, if you will. And my job is to make sure that we have a strong basis for culture that everybody understands and everybody follows. In fact, we go as far as to say we hire, fire, reward, and recognize based on our culture. So I think if you can do those four things based on how your company is, and specifically, I want to talk about core values next. I think that's where you know you've got a very strong basis in your culture. Do you mind if we talk a little bit about core values? Sure, I'd love it. So I I truly feel that core values is the foundation. It is the bedrock of a good culture. And there's so many companies out there that they think they know what their core values are, but they've never communicated like what you just said across the entire company of what these core values are that we all agree to, that we all are going to work in this fashion with each other. And then once you come up with your core values, communicate, communicate, communicate. I read something somewhere, somebody has to hear something seven times in order for them to hear it the first time. Uh, In fact, you have Chick-fil-A up in Ohio. Uh, We have a ton of Chick-fil-A's here in Atlanta. When you go to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and you say, thank you, what do they say in return? My pleasure. My pleasure. That was something that Truett Cathy wanted to start as part of their culture. One, he stole it from Ritz-Carlton. He stayed at the (laughs) Ritz-Carlton. He loved it. And he said, you know what? This is so much better than no problem or whatever they would say. And he goes, it's absolutely free. So we're going to start using it. So every year they gather all of their operators together. And they, they talk about the state of the company and, hey, this is what we're going to do this next year. Well, he released the fact that we're not going to say thank you anymore. We're going to say my pleasure because that just means so much more when somebody hears that. So he said that. And then he was so excited. A week or so later, he got in his car. He went through a drive through He said, thank you. And the lady said, no problem. And he was like, oh, it's not working. Do you know how long it took Chick-fil-A to say my pleasure? I can only imagine, probably a lot longer than he thought. It was a lot longer than he thought. It was seven years. Wow. Seven years of staying the course, repeating the exact same message, and making sure that he gave people opportunity to fail, but allowed them to get picked back up as well. And now you can't go to a Chick-fil-A and they won't say anything but my pleasure. In fact, I find myself doing it now. So it just goes to show that you have to communicate that. But also core values is more than just a piece of paper or maybe even a plaque that we had made that's all dusty hanging on a wall. It has to be embedded in everything that we do. Like I said, we hire on it, we fire on it, we reward and we recognize on it. 
So the exercise I like to ask people to do with core values is one, you can't do it on your own. So, so I would recommend you and I, as the leaders of our company, we're part of that team, but we get the head of the departments to come in and allow us to have a discussion with them. So that's, we have to be a little bit vulnerable as a leader. And then being vulnerable, we need to ask them, what is the ideal employee? What, is, what does that look like? If we hire somebody, who do we want with certain traits that's coming through the door? Another way to ask that is, who will we not allow to work here? So what is the opposite of the core values? And I find that that's normally a better way to get some answers out of people. If they're, if they're not able to figure out what they really want, they can definitely tell you what they don't want. And there's a lot of value with that. And by the way, I'm just doing this on a whiteboard as people are talking. So very casual. And then I ask them, okay, now if we're going to take it as far as to hire, fire, reward, and recognize, do the traits that we just mentioned, do they match that? And then people say, well, that one, not so much, or maybe, maybe that's the sentiment, but it's not the right word. And then you can go around and you can wordsmith. And this isn't a 10 minute conversation. This is a meeting and then maybe a follow-up meeting. And then once you decide on what the words are, I encourage somebody to go through and then define which each one of those words are. So one of our core values is integrity. Now, we can define that totally different and that's fine, but we have a very specific way that we define that here in the company. And because everybody was hired based on that, Everybody knows what that means. We can, without a doubt, hire, fire, reward, and recognize. But when you have a culture like that, now you can bring that in to any situation. And it just makes it so much easier to have conversations that are hard to have. I agree completely, Trace. I think that having a strong company culture and having core values and your employees must know what your core values are. I think that's very important, especially if you're talking about attracting, retaining, and training new employees. Without a strong company culture, you know, what kind of employee, as you just referenced, are you going to get? How do they know what their expectations are? And, you know, employees, like you said, never leave for the money. They leave because they're unhappy. So I think especially during this time of the pandemic, having a strong company culture as it pertains to your staff is very important. During this pandemic, we have not needed to lay anybody off, but we also haven't needed to hire anybody either. But a lot of my supplier colleagues that I've talked to, they're struggling. So even if you have a strong company culture and you know, core values for your company during the pandemic, you know, what is a safe way to train new hires and do interviews? That's one of the struggles of the pandemic because it seems like the way that we do things now is so new. Um, it's out of the box. You know, everybody's coming up with virtual ways to do it. Um, but company culture as it pertains to your employees it is key. That's why they're going to want to work there. And that's why they're going to want to stay. Totally agree with that. I think now more than ever, we have to bring culture into our meetings. We're going to talk later about remote work. And the people that are not seeing people on a regular basis, they feel like they're disconnected from that tribe that we mentioned to earlier. And we have to make sure that we're including them more now than ever. 
and tying it back to our core values and our culture. And then, you know, I think everybody's probably zoomed out. We've used Zoom so much during the pandemic. But again, how cool is it that we can do so much with a platform like that? I've done it myself. I know some other members of our mastermind have done some of the things I'm getting ready to mention. But in addition to just company meetings, they have games. And we've done uh, Wheel of Fortune over Zoom. If you remember the TV show, Press Your Luck, we did that. We did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And our questions were centered around our culture. You know, not only defining our core values, but we list specific examples where people got awards for doing a specific behavior with culture. So we, we had that on there. We had trivia with the company, you know, things that if you worked in the company for a while that you would know. And just just really had fun with it. And, you know, we talk about all the things we can't do during COVID. That's something you can do. And it's probably something we wouldn't have done if things were as normal. And to this day, we probably started doing that back in April. People talk about how much fun it is. And when are we going to do the next one? I agree. I've been on a, a Zoom call where we had a best background contest. I would have never, ever done any of these things. I think that, you know, even though you can't, you know, do the personal touches and the in-person meetings, um, I've had a lot of uh, supplier, you know, friends and colleagues say that, you know, sales channels are changing. But I do find that you have to look for the positive and that the virtual world that we're in right now does allow you to do things a different way, but there is some benefit to it. So I always try to focus on that. I think that's great. I want to make sure as we go through this webinar that we give people handles that they can pick up and take something with them. And whenever I'm looking at core values, if you ever listen to the podcast, one of my favorite books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think that does a really good job of helping you build core values. It's speaking more of a personal sense, but there's no, there's no reason you can't translate that to the business. And then, of course, the book that we just finished reading in the Rising Tide Mastermind, Gino Wickman's Traction. And EOS stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And I borrowed those words, hire, fire, reward, and recognize from that. But in that book, it, it also talks about how to come up with your core values, but also how to embed them in your company. So if you're looking for a how-to to start um, you know, just making the core values a bedrock of your organization, I would say either of those books or both of those books would be a great start. PPP, EIDL loan, social security deferment, oh my. Um, our next topic, I'm sure, is one of the major things people are going to be curious about and have questions about is economic recovery and best practices during this uncertain time. I know for myself at Scranton Associates, we did apply and receive the PPP loan, but like a lot of people, our bank is not accepting the forgiveness applications yet. So we've done a fabulous job of keeping all of our records and getting everything ready to submit, but we've had nowhere to submit it to for the last couple months. So we're still in a holding pattern. As far as our EIDL loan, which is the disaster loan from the Small Business Administration, we didn't need it. But in conferencing with my CPA, he said, well, you don't need it. But he's like, you know, it's called a disaster loan for a reason. 
So he's like, there's no harm in taking it. You might as well go ahead and take it. And if you need it, you have it. And if you don't, you can send it back um, because there's no payments for a year anyway, although interest does accrue. I guess September 1st, there's also the Social Security deferment. My accountant and I have just started talking about that. So we haven't come to a decision on it. We're still gathering information. Um, but it seems like it, it may be something that's not a good fit for us. Because like I said, we have not had to lay anybody off or change anybody's salary. So I'm not quite sure what the benefit would be. But it, it's very important, I think. And, and I'm very lucky that I have, you know, a fabulous CPA where we meet all the time. You know, I have my dashboards. We meet once a month and go over everything because all of these rules are constantly changing and record keeping is paramount. So you don't want to go ahead and take advantage of these and find that things that could be forgiven are not because your record keeping wasn't up to par. I'll be working with my CPA more as we head into the end of the year to make sure that any kind of tax credits or anything that's available to me as a business owner from this pandemic that I'm able to take advantage of. I think why we are talking about, you know, economics and financials, AWT sent out a business owner's survey a week or so ago, the Water Treatment Industry Financial Outlook Survey. And I think that if you haven't already taken a look at the results of that, I think that they're very interesting. And I think it shows that AWT members as a whole have weathered the pandemic very well. And I think that just goes to show that, you know, we all have a lot of good information available to us and are taking advantage of it. And Trace and I hope that this webinar can be yet one more tool along with the speakers that we've brought to you today that can help all of us navigate this together. Yeah, Jill, I really agree with what you said about the different loans, the different programs that are out there. We still have questions now, but how much we know about those things now versus back in March and April. And the thing that I think helped us so much is you and I are a member of a group called the Rising Tide Mastermind. And it wasn't just you and I that had questions. The other 12 members within our group, we all had questions and we were able to bounce ideas off of each other. We were able to bring in subject matter experts to help answer our questions. And, and let's face it, they're learning right along with us, but they at least know their industry so they can be better prepared to answer those questions. So I think it is a victory what we do know now. I remember during one of the webinars that we had with the mastermind, somebody recommended that any expense that we had over and above a normal expense due to COVID, categorize that because that's going to come in handy later on your taxes. And I know we all did that in the mastermind. Now, we don't know what we're going to do with that later, but we have that there. So if we can take advantage of it, we don't have to do any extra work. It was already done. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is in times of uncertainty, you know, there's information out there, whether we have access to it or not, I think isn't the thing to focus on, but it's who do you have access to? And then you're not an island. So AWT is such a great resource where we have so many like businesses. So what are other people doing? How can we learn from each other's mistakes and victories? And then we don't have to go through this alone. And the other thing that I think we all learned, and you mentioned through your CPA, is we need good, trustworthy, knowledgeable people that we can trust 
that can help us navigate our company ship where it needs to go. Of course, the gentleman that spoke to us on the Rising Tide Mastermind and our CFO, his name is Mike Iverson. He owns a company called Trillium Financial Services. I know a lot of people think they can't afford a CFO, but you don't have to have somebody full-time in the office right next to yours. I know we both enjoy somebody coming in on a part-time basis every so often that all they know is numbers and they can look at the same numbers that you and I have been looking at day after day and just find material that we didn't even know existed. So we've asked Mike some of the questions that we have. We've polled some of the AWT members to see what questions they've had. So let's go ahead and listen to Mike Iverson as he answers some of those questions. Hello, I'm Mike Iverson with Trillium Financial. And I'm here today to give you an update on a few areas that applies to the PPP loan forgiveness. So we'll get started with the PPP loan. Originally, when this was issued back in March under the CARES Act, uh, the PPP loan allowed for companies to apply. And the idea being is for about an eight-week period, it would help cover for payroll and non-payroll costs. There's talk about any loans under $150,000 they are anticipating potentially to just have automatic forgiveness. Uh, the idea is there are so many loans, well more than 50% of the loans, or for an amount less than that. And all the applications, the hundreds of thousands and millions of applications that would come through would just be a huge bottleneck for the SBA and for their system to be able to process it. So they're considering doing some automatic forgiveness. So we'll see. So stay tuned with that. So I hope these updates have been helpful. And thank you for your time. And best for the rest of 20 and into 2021. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you being part of our webinar. What I'd like to talk about next is what we've learned, what has worked well during the pandemic, and what we'd like to change going forward, taking all of the information that we now have. Trace and I would like to kind of phrase this as a on the supplier side versus the water treater side. Surprisingly, I think that there was a lot of synergy, but there's also some differences. So myself being a supplier, what I've learned, what's worked well, and what I need to change going forward is being a manufacturer, I think the biggest thing is, is that we didn't have a choice in working remote. You can't blend chemicals from home. So we were pretty much forced as an essential business to, you know, I don't want to use this term, but I will, to pivot very quickly, which led to, you know, a lot of increased time and demand on me because we had to be in the building every day. We are very fortunate that we can space out, but it meant that you know, very quickly, I had to you know, get what I felt was the best information to my employees. I had to make sure that they were all spaced out. I had to source you know, PPE, you know, masks and gloves. And as I'm sure everybody can attest to, those types of things are, were in short supply and are still in short supply. One thing that we did is that we had a couple of employees that were in a different age group that were maybe a little bit higher risk. And those employees did work remote, but for the most part, you know, that really wasn't an option for us. What I've learned, like I referenced before, is that communication is key. You know, I need to let my people know what I expect from them. And I also need to keep on them so that as the days and weeks go by, they don't become relaxed. 
I needed to figure out what happened if somebody in my staff was exposed to COVID or had COVID, you know, what do I do? You know, we had to come up with a plan. You know, you can't tell my customer as well, you know, we're going to shut down for two weeks. You know, that, that is not an option. So we have learned a lot. We've come really far. And I feel like we're kind of practicing the best practices going forward. We know what works for us. We've got, you know, the spacing, which we're fortunate. We've got the the PPE that we need. We can keep certain people home remote if we have to. I've even gone as far as when the drivers come into the building to pick up the loads each day that have had my staff only use the facilities in the office. That way the drivers are the only ones using the facilities in the back. So I've completely segregated and tried to minimize as much contact as possible. So pretty much we're not letting any visitors in the building. We're not letting anyone call on us. So it's pretty much just us. Everybody takes their temperature every day before they come into the office. And I've instructed my people that no matter what, if you are sick, We will deal with how we count your time off later. Do not worry about it. But if you are sick or you think that you've been exposed, do not come in. That is paramount. We can deal with everything else later. And, you know, everybody has been so receptive to it. We've had zero problems. Everybody has been very safe. You know, we're only around each other all day, you know, six feet away from each other. So we've had to change really quickly and it's went really well and we've had no problems. From a supplier perspective, it was pretty stressful in the beginning because my customers, I have to ease their fears because they're afraid we're going to run out of materials. And as a supplier, I need to make sure I have materials for my customers. So we, just like I think all of my suppliers echoed, and all of my colleagues that are suppliers echoed that everybody went and stocked up, you know, because of ports closing, you know, just uncertain times. So we're all kind of heavy on inventory, but I feel it's a necessity because how else are you going to, you know, tell your customers, don't worry, we've got material, we're not going to run out. Communication is key. Communications with my customers. I spent uh, quite a bit of time just, you know, calling and, and making sure, you know, we're here, we're open, we're operating, we have plenty of product. You know, everything for us is going to be business as usual. I've learned that that is a lot of time. I've learned that everybody was very receptive to just being transparent and, you know, being contacted and just having a conversation with people. You know, this is what I'm doing. You know, how are you doing? Once I reached out to everybody, I think it's just nice to even have an excuse to just talk to people. Like, how are you doing? What's going on? Everybody was very receptive to that. Now, of course, you know, increasing your inventory and stocking up takes away from your cash. But like we just talked about in our last section, you know, with Mike and with myself and my CPA, you know, we made sure that we're cash strong to go through this, you know, stocking up on inventory or not, you know, no matter what happens, we're in a really great position with our employees, with our customers, with our suppliers, with our financial situation, with our financial people. It helps so much talking to my my member, you know, co-members of the Rising Tide Mastermind and just bouncing ideas off each other. You know, it's a lot of work on my end, and that's what I've learned. This is a lot of work, and communication is key. But I think, to be honest, with the pandemic, we are in a better situation now, I think, than we've ever been. 
it was hard one to get there and kind of, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Ohio says, okay, we're shutting down and okay, well, we're an essential business. Nobody worry. We're not shutting down. I've learned a lot. And I think I can say that I formulated through trial and error, the best practices to move forward. And I feel very confident about the future. I think as you know, the water treatment industry and the country as a whole moves towards economic recovery. What that looks like right now, I don't know. I don't think that this is anywhere near over, but I I feel confident that the work that I've put in and the knowledge that I've gained, I feel that we're in a better position than ever to move forward. And of course, that's the whole goal that we don't just get through this, we get through it stronger on the other side. You know, I think there are a lot of similarities with how the water treatment company has dealt with the, the same things that you mentioned. I, I can think of in the very beginning, everybody didn't know what was going on. And of course, that brings maybe some, some bad thoughts to people. Am I going to get fired? Is the company going to get open? And attitudes start to shift. And I noticed that very, very quickly, not that people had bad attitudes at our company, but that could happen. And people were uncertain. And we've talked all through this webinar about communicating, over-communicating. You know, I, were le- I was letting people know that I do not know the answer right now, but I am just as curious about finding the answer as you are. And I promise you will know as soon as that I know. That helped. Uh, also, we, we met with our team quite a bit during this time, and uh, it was always about stuff we couldn't do. You know, we can't do this because of COVID. We can't do this. So we changed the meeting. We said, no, this has to be a COVID can meeting. And what can we do? And from that, we were able to get so many ideas from the same people that were saying that we couldn't do something before. One of the ideas was uh, we do a lot with commercial buildings. In order for the commercial buildings to reopen here in Georgia, they need hand sanitizer. They couldn't get it at the time. Of course, now the market's flooded with it. It's everywhere that you look. But at the time, nobody could get it. We didn't sell hand sanitizer. So we actually worked with a supplier who was making it. We could get it a lot quicker than our customers could. We put a very modest markup on it. And then all of a sudden, we were in the hand sanitizer business. Nothing that we planned during our quarterly planning the quarter before. But what that did... It, it allowed us, one, to, to ensure if we did have a longer time period, which we are for people paying us, our accounts receivable is higher than it's ever been. That gave us a little bit of buffer because we only allowed for cash or credit card payments for the hand sanitizer. So that ensured that our employees were secure here. What it did for our customers was we actually told them the story. Matter of fact, I wrote a little letter thanking them for buying the hand sanitizer and letting them know where that idea came from. It came from a meeting based on one of our customers saying they didn't know how they were going to reopen because they couldn't find it. So I wanted the customer to know that we talked about that and we found a solution. And that's why they have hand sanitizer in their possession right now. We got thank you cards back because we sold hand sanitizer. So We started thinking, okay, well, besides that, what are some other ways that we can help ourselves at the same time help our customers? And we came up with a handful of ideas. Occasionally that we can't do that because of COVID would creep back in and we had to change our our minds around that. 
But, you know, something that we like to do, and I know all water treaters want to do it, is a customer review. If our customers don't understand the value that we're providing, then when somebody else walks in the door and they're a dollar cheaper, well, why shouldn't they go with that person? If we're not telling them our value, nobody else is. Well, people aren't meeting with us. So how do we have these customer reviews? And I'm sure if your company is like mine, you're probably backed up on the reviews that you probably should have already done before COVID. So we started scheduling them over Zoom. And people were appreciative, I think, to see people outside of their company on, on Zoom, on the video conferencing. But we, we picked up so much new business because we were reviewing where we've been, where we need to go, and then the pieces that were missing that the customer needed to approve in order for us to take their water treatment program to the next level. You know, we had one-on-one contact. They were less disturbed. They had, we had their undivided attention because we do have the, this pandemic going on. And again, it looks like we are slated to have one of our best years ever. And it's because, you know, we can't do a lot of things, but when we look at what we can do and we ask our people to help us think that way, you never know what the customer is going to approve. I think that was key with that. Of course, you know, we're calling this lessons learned. I think it's really lessons learned and learning. We learn something new about what's going on each and every day. You know, you and I share things quite a bit because we're in the same mastermind group. So I don't have to worry if you learn something, you're not going to share it with me. So it's my hope that other members out there in AWT, you know, have some sort of forum that they can get that information. Because I got to tell you, with all the stuff that comes out every single day, you just don't have time to keep up with all of that. Another thing I'll mention is you mentioned having like a COVID plan. And companies are doing that now. And it used to be you had to write them and hope that they were the best. Well, now you can find templates all over online for free. So if you haven't gone and searched for some sort of COVID plan for your building, I encourage you to do that. That allows your people to know that you're serious. If there ever were an issue, you know, you're not going to stop COVID. But at least just like Legionella, you can take liability off the table. You can say, hey, we've got a plan. This is the items that we're going to do if something were to happen. Well, in addition to all of us doing that, our customers are doing that as well. And if you're like me, you've probably talked, of course, of outside of New York, you've talked to your customers about doing something about Legionella due diligence, and they may or may not have done anything. Well, folks, they are putting money in their budget right now to write these COVID plans. It is extremely easy to talk to people about putting something for Legionella as well, doing a water management plan, because now they're open to that. They see what can happen when the world gets sick, when somebody gets sick with their building. So we have had tremendous success of during these customer reviews, talking about Legionella, and also some of the experiences that we've had in developing our own COVID plan. So if you haven't talked to your customers about that, they need to hear that. And they're probably not going to think about that on their own. Nation, I know today's episode is a bit longer, but I wanted to get all this information out to you so you could do with it what you needed to do. And let's face it, 
It's a podcast. You can pause it. You can pick it up any time that you like. So I wanted to make sure you had the information and now it's up to you to figure out how you are going to devour that information. That being said, this is a good time to, to take a break if you need to take a break. Maybe check out some of the webinars that we've been mentioning on this podcast. Uh, I do want to say again that all of these ideas came from conversations that we had within the Rising Tide Mastermind. The simple fact is we don't know what we don't know. However, when we align ourselves with a group of professionals, a group of like-minded people, that group will demand that we collectively as a group and as individuals become more successful. We learn from each other what we don't know we don't know. Quite frankly, others can help uncover the blind spots that we all have that we don't know that we have. As a member, I can wholeheartedly say that I am better able to weather this pandemic because of the Rising Tide Mastermind, because of all the questions that were asked, because of all the topics that people were coming to me for saying, I need more information. All of those things helped me directly. It helped the members of the Mastermind directly. And I can say that we did the best effort that we knew how to do because of all the information that we were gathering because of the Rising Tide Mastermind. And because of all of this, the group collectively decided that we needed to know all of this stuff in order to make better decisions. How awesome is that? We have the support of the group. We get the group trying to figure out what we don't know, we don't know that we need to know. And my question to you is, are you in a group like this? And if the answer is yes, that is awesome. If the answer is no, I want you to consider joining the Rising Tide Mastermind. At the very least, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind, read about it, and see if that's something that sounds intriguing to you. If it does, I would love for you and I to connect so we can see if the group makes sense for you and if you make sense for the group. Now, if the Rising Tide Mastermind is not right for you, I urge you to find a group that is right for you. There are just so many things that come to fruition when you join a group like this. And folks, life's too short to do it alone. It's too complicated to do it alone. And when it comes to things like this pandemic, there is no way I could have done it alone. So I urge you to find a group. So please find a group, figure out why I am so excited about masterminds and see if it's something that you should consider joining. Well, folks, here is part two of our continued webinar with Jill myself, and our invited guests. I know myself as a custom chemical manufacturer, I'm an expert in blending chemicals. Whereas Trace, as the owner of a water treatment company, you're an expert in water treatment. I think the pandemic has forced both of us as business owners to become experts in HR. 
I know that I have a lot of questions. My employees have a lot of questions. And I'm sure everyone watching this video has a lot of questions. So now that we're being asked more HR questions that are pressing more than ever, the question is, how do we get these questions answered? How do we make sure that they're answered in a timely manner and in an accurate manner? So we're fortunate enough to have Helene Grossman from HRTG Atlanta with us today. And Helene is going to answer what we found were some of our own questions, some of what we felt were the most common questions. And then Helene is going to let us know what she thinks that we need to know pertaining to HR right now. Hi, everyone, and thanks again to Trace and Jill for inviting me to talk with you today. Again, I am Helene Grossman. I am president of HRTG Atlanta. We are an HR consulting company that helps businesses like yours deal with HR questions and challenges that you may be facing. Today, Trace and Jill have asked me to provide some best practices concerning some pressing HR questions that you are probably facing right now. So these are the three questions um, and best practices that I will be covering. The first one is, you know, as we come up into the fall season, is it flu sick or is it COVID sick? And how do I deal with that in the office? We have employees coming back to the office after being remote. What are some of the best practices for that? As well as how do we accommodate or help employees with school-aged children and the remote learning aspect? So before we get started on all of that, I just want to review the five steps of an employee who tests positive for COVID-19 in your workplace. Um, the reason I'm doing this is this will obviously impact um, as people are either coming back to the workplace, as we talk about COVID flu or COVID or flu. So I just want to remind you of the five steps around employee um, testing positive. Number one, obviously send the employee home. Number two, make sure that you're cleaning and vacating any working area that that employee may have been in. Number three, it is your obligation to notify potentially exposed employees. Those would be anyone who was within six feet of that person for more than 15 minutes. A big one is determining when the employee returns, and it's not by testing negative alone. These are CDC guidelines. So if, you, or if an employee has tested positive and there's no symptoms, you can end that isolation 10 days after testing positive. If it's moderate to mild symptoms, you can end the isolation after 10 days if at least 24 hours have passed without a fever and other symptoms have been improved. And then obviously if it is severe symptoms, um, the employee needs to continue isolation for the full 14 days or longer. You may need to record if the infection is work-related and report it to OSHA. Um, I mentioned that because obviously that needs to be done in the state of California if you are a business in California. However, there may be other states that also have that requirement. So I just wanted to make sure that um, you look into those state regulations as well. So the big question uh, for the fall is, you know, the flu looks like COVID in many aspects. What do we do and how do we handle that in the workplace? So the first thing I'll tell you as a best practice is to have a team meeting and be totally transparent. It is hard to tell the difference. Both of them have similar symptoms. We all know that. So let's just put that up front in terms of a flu sick or a COVID sick. 
There are some differences, but you're not a doctor. So what you're going to do as a team, obviously, is talk about what the plan is going to be. And you and your team should develop a plan. And this is an example of a plan. A plan would be to tell your entire team that no one should come to the office that is experiencing any of those symptoms. And this is just to be on the safe side. I would recommend that they talk with their own doctor about whether or not they should be taking a flu shot this year. I would treat each situation as if the employee has COVID. If they get tested and it comes back negative, then just make sure they're sitting out for 24 hours free of symptoms before they come back into the office. Obviously, you do not want an employee to bring the flu into the, into the workplace and infect anyone else. If it is COVID and they are out, then in terms of paying them, you have the Family First Response Care Act, which is two weeks of sick leave um, that will be paid. If it is the flu, just like normally anyone being sick, then you need to look at your PTO, your sick days, and your unpaid leave plan, okay? That is a best practice. It's really getting together and determining what the plan is going to be. But I would tell you, the big one here is treat it as if it were COVID. The second best practice that we're going to talk about is bringing employees back to the office after being remote. One of the best practices here is that you can't come up with all the items that you need to cover by yourself. And so one of the best practices is really to create a task force of various individuals, mainly from different departments if possible, or different levels to help with designing the back-to-office plan. And again, a plan, okay? That plan should be communicated and forthcoming before employees return back to work. And the plan should include these couple of items at a minimum, the safety procedures. Are we wearing masks? Where's the sanitizer? How are we going to be cleaning the office? Are we doing temperature checks? The next question, how will they return? Is it by choice? Are we going to be phasing in? Are we going to have some people working Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Are we going to have some people working Tuesday and Thursday? If you say that you're high risk, can we just let you work at home? Are the business hours the same? Is the layout of the office different? Are we going to have space in between the desks? Um, and then again, you need to reinforce um, what the expectations will be if you're coming to the office or whether you're working from home. And then finally, check in as often as possible. Okay, and find out how is it working in the office? What changes do we need to make? Put this back on your task force. You know, once they come up with a plan, the plan should be the task force is checking in after people get back to the office. But again, the big thing here, the big takeaway is create a plan and make sure you're over communicating that plan. The third area is what we call accommodating and helping employees with school-aged children um, with their remote learning. Um, and I will tell you that for the most part, um, you've got to be flexible. 
you just have to be flexible. This is just such a difficult time for many. And so I tell you as a business owner to look at your schedules, look at your start times, look at your end times. Can people come in later? Maybe they can work, you know, starting from 11 o'clock, you know, later because they need to be with their kids in the morning. If there's ways that you can be flexible and still get the work done and work with the employees, then definitely explore that possibility. I'm going to tell you that a lot of businesses are being creative. Um, They're working with compressed work weeks. Some of them are giving daycare stipends if they can afford it to those employees with school-aged children. Some are working from home, working from the office. They're adjusting their days. They're being flexible. But again, as long as they are communicating and it is working for you in the short term, um, again, I tell you, be flexible. And then the last thing I'll tell you is be consistent. You know, don't pick and choose. Employees with children have different situations. And even though it may be very individualized, we also need to be consistent in how we treat them. So if you're allowing employees with children, some to stay home or to work, then you should allow all employees with children to be able to do that as well. And then remember, the Family First Response CARES Act, again, is still in effect till December the 31st. And this act for um, 12 weeks um, allows an employee to stay at home with their child if they cannot work in the office and cannot work at home. This is two-thirds of their pay for those 12 weeks. Some of them may have used that up back in the March or April timeframe. So again, you'll just need to keep track of all of that. We are going through a very difficult time. um, And I know that it is very trying on everyone. Um, But I will leave you with this quote, which I love from Maya Angelou. And that is, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you make them feel. And I will tell you that this rings especially true in the workplace. So remember that as you're dealing with your employees, everyone is going through a very stressful time. So, so please, please remember, take care of yourself and take care of your employees and stay safe. Thank you very much. Jill, you got it right. We've got to do so much more as company owners. We have to know so much about HR. So I'm so glad Helene was able to come on and share some of the valuable information with us and the people watching this webinar. The next topic we're going to talk about is how do we move on from this? What's the long-term plan? We've got so many questions about what's the new normal Nobody knows what that is. And then if they think something's normal today, well, watch out because it's going to change tomorrow. So this is our section where we're going to talk about what ifs. You know, this pandemic has really brought up the question, as Trace said, what if? There's a whole lot of what ifs. Myself and some of my supplier colleagues and friends that I've spoken to, they've mentioned, you know, sales channels are changing. So for me, what if nobody's able to call on me in person anymore? For some of my other suppliers and colleagues, what if they're not able to call on people in person anymore? What if the people that they're calling on don't want to see them in person anymore? 
You know, it's a whole new virtual world out there. And while there is definitely some limitations and you don't get that personal contact, which I don't think will ever go away. I think people are always hungry for that. But at least for right now, I think everyone has or should be taking full advantage of the the virtual world. I think sometimes even though you can't get that personal contact, you may be able to get more information in front of somebody through a virtual presentation. What if we don't have in-person conferences anymore? Well, as AWT members, we're finding that out right now. You know, I think everybody was disappointed that the live event for this year got canceled and that we're having the virtual event. But I think now that we are in the midst of the virtual event and looking forward to it, is that this is very positive. It's something we've never done before, which allows us, I think, almost more creativity in a way and a whole new different way of doing things. I kind of think from my perspective that I'm able to get more information out in front of people. It might be to maybe a smaller audience, Hopefully not, but I do believe that the content can be different, and I think in some regards it can even be better. So I think there's definitely positive aspects for that. You know, going back to the what if we can't see people, it's not just calling on customers or suppliers calling on us. I think it is really the lack of in-person meetings and dialogue. I think that this time more than ever, it's more important to reach out and not become isolating. I think small business owners especially can feel that. I think it's important to have a trusted network of people. I think it's important to have good advisors, people to ask advice to. I know that I'm fortunate to have that with my legal team and my CPA and my financial team, but also with the Rising Tide Mastermind with my colleagues, with my AWT colleagues. I think what I'm lacking right now in seeing people in person, I'm more than making up for virtually, but I think you need to be open with that. You need to be able to change with that and take advantage of that. I've also found that traditional methods of marketing that we've done in the past have really needed to change during this pandemic. So I've been spending a great deal of time kind of figuring out how do I network and how do I market? And I think that I have not only succeeded, I think that we have really surpassed my goals in terms of, you know, how do we market? How do we network? How do we stay in contact? What new things can we try? You know, not everything works, but I've been pleasantly surprised that most things that we've tried have worked better than I've anticipated. Trace, what have you found your what-ifs are during this time? Well, I will definitely say the what-ifs grow with each and every passing day. I think the biggest what-if people ask in our company and other water treaters is, what if we can't get back to normal with how we sell our water treatment wares? And uh, I know we've, we've had a webinar on selling during a pandemic with the Rising Tide Mastermind. I know I learned a lot about that. But what I want to convey to people that are watching this webinar is, you know, we might be doing things differently, but the foundation of how we did those things doesn't need to change. Now, maybe somebody's not going to see you in person, but they can see you over Zoom. And as I mentioned earlier, you have somebody's undivided tension normally on Zoom. So if you've got a very well-planned out agenda, so you're very cognizant of their time, you're not wasting their time, you make sure that you ask them 
what do they feel they're going to get out of this meeting or how will this meeting be most productive to them to make sure you can adjust the meeting to hit their needs. I think you'll be surprised of what you can get done virtually. There are a lot of people out there that just say, well, if I can't do it the way I'm used to, I can't do it at all. And folks, if that's your attitude, you are not going to survive this because as Jill mentioned, there's going to be some form of this even after all of this finishes. People are very heightenedly aware and we're eventually going to change. So if you haven't changed, now is the best time. It reminds me of a Chinese proverb. The best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time is today. So go ahead and plant your tree with some of the new things that you can do taking care of the virtual community. I also have to think, you know, trainings. You know, I go to several trainings to get certification credit for several of the certifications that I hold. How are we going to do that now that we're not going in person? Well, I'm sure you've seen that people are doing virtual trainings and those are getting a lot better. Again, thinking about what we can't do in COVID, now thinking about what we can do, just like your fees with this conference, you are able to probably send more people because you're not having to pay for their travel. You're not having to pay for their lodging. So don't always look for the negative things that are there. There are some positive things. And I will be the first to admit that there is a lot taken away when you can't get face-to-face in front of somebody. But if you can't, you can't. Don't focus on that. Focus on the things that you can do and see how you can do that to the best or at least better than anybody else. And then when you're talking to your customers, they're really going to appreciate that. Thank you, Trace. We've both done a lot of work with long-term planning and goal setting, and I know that you have a lot of expertise in that area. Could you talk to us a little bit about goal setting and long-term planning, and what are your thoughts on how it works during the pandemic? Yeah, great question. Well, first off, long-term planning, I feel, is key to any business. I feel it's key to any family. If you're going to drive somewhere, you want to know where that destination is. Otherwise, you don't know what route to take. Well, life is the same way. With the company, I always recommend that people mentally go three years into the future and see what do we want to accomplish in those three years. So we're actually sitting three years into the future Who are the people that are around us? What equipment do we need? What facility are we in? Uh, What are the different positions that people are holding in the company? All of those things. And you've got your trusted leadership team there with you. So you're now able to all see that image together. And then you think, well, how am I ever going to get this three-year image to come to a reality? Well, the answer is one day at a time. And what I like to then ask people to do is to go back to one-year planning. So you know what three years looks like. So what's a one-third slice of that long-term plan? And that's your annual planning. You're thinking, what do I have to do that's going to get us one-third to that three-year plan? And then cut it down even further into quarters. These are the bite-sized pieces that we can do during the quarter so we can accomplish these goals. So we call these 90-day rocks in the mastermind group. And that comes from one Stephen Covey's Seven Habit book. And then they also use that in one of the books we read called 12-Week Year, which is one of, I think, the best planning books 
ever written because it, everybody tells you how to plan, but very few tell you how to execute. 12 week year does a great job of doing both. Now, when we get together as a company after that 90 days, we know what the three year is supposed to look like. We know what that year is supposed to look like. And we know what we should have accomplished over the last 90 days. Now we have the benefit of life happening to our plan. So how well did we do with all of the things that happened to us during that 90 days? And what did we learn from that 90 days? And now we can readjust over the next 90 days and get it even better. Every time we go through this process as a company, we learn something new. We get better at it. So that's how I've always done long-term planning. It allows us to have a vision of where we're going. It allows us to use the past to learn how we're going to get better as we're going forward. In fact, if you listen to a Scaling Up H2O podcast, it was episode 92. It's actually where I share the story of uh, how we do long-term planning here at the company. And the podcast is about me preparing for my TED Talk. But you can hear how we actually do that here at the company on episode 92. And I actually um, refer to back to the future when we do long-term planning. So we get into our DeLorean, we go three years into the future. So if that interests you, you can listen to episode 92. But your question, Jill, is how does that change now that we have a pandemic, now that we have COVID around? And my, my short answer is, I don't think it does. I think we all know where we need to go But now, just like we were loading the car and we were going to Disney World, well, we've got a road closed. And it doesn't mean we can't get to Disney World, but it means we can't take the road that we were going to take. We now have to take a detour. Doesn't mean we can't get there. We just have to figure out how we're going to do that. So within all the things we've learned in the last couple of months, we actually know how to navigate this pandemic so much better than when it first started. Using that knowledge, we can now apply that to see which road we are going to take to hit that. Now, that being said, some of our goals might have to be adjusted a little bit just because we're not able to do them in the same way. So an example that I have of that is a lot of times we all have revenue goals. I mean, who doesn't, right? We all want to put more money on the top line. Well, now that we're not able to sell the way we're used to and we're learning new ways to sell, having that same revenue goal might not be realistic this quarter. Maybe it will be more realistic next quarter. So change the goal a little bit. And you you think to yourself, what am I able to do that will impact that goal, although it's not really going to complete that goal this year? And the example that I can come up with that we did is we didn't reflect on dollar revenue. We reflect on company touches. So how many times did one of us from our company reach out and touch another member of our clients' companies? And we were able to do that very easily over Zoom. We got compliments for that. I shared on part one that we got business from that. And that is leading towards that ultimate metric that we had of putting money on the top line. Thank you, Trace. I have to echo, like you said, the 12-week yearbook that we read in the mastermind. I've taken full advantage of that this year. 
I believe that goals are important during the pandemic now more than ever. They just have to be adjusted. Maybe you're not looking at the same metrics. Maybe those have had to be adjusted. But I find that my goals are important. I find that I have kept them. I've revised them. I've actually crushed them this year, which I'm happy to say. But I have also noticed that it takes a lot more time. This year, I have worked harder than ever in the business just because of all the adjustments that need to be made. In my personal life, I have goals. And some of those goals, because we're not able to do certain things or go certain places, those are put on hold. But in my personal life, I have really found that I'm am struggling to maintain a work-life balance because of all of the extra time that I've been putting in at work to keep us safe, keep us stocked up, keep us up to date on the newest information, you know, change our goals, you know, just kind of changing with the times and with the information that I'm given and making sure that, you know, anytime anything that's uncertain, that I'm getting the best information and making the best decisions going forward. I think going into our next topic, that it is really more important than ever to maintain or try to maintain a good work-life balance, but also to kind of avoid burnout, to take care of ourselves now more than ever, because this is such a stressful and uncertain time. And if you're not careful, you know, it can really take a toll on you. And we are very fortunate to have somebody with us today who Trace will introduce, that I think his message is very important and really a good way to close on. I, I definitely agree, Jill. And before we move topics, you know, thinking about personal goals, a lot of times, you know, we kind of get depressed that we weren't able to meet those personal goals because of the circumstances that we have right now. I think when you really take account of all the things that you have that are going well in your life, You'll, you'll realize that it's not as bad as maybe you once thought it was. But let's face it, if you're watching the news, that's not the mindset that you're going to be in. Uh, that does not sell people turning on uh, the news stations. So something that I have found that's been very helpful, I know we're using this on the Rising Tide Mastermind, is a book called The Five-Minute Journal. It's not really a book. It's called The Five-Minute Journal. And if it takes you five minutes to do it, that's probably a long time. But what it does, it asks you certain questions in the morning, and then it asks you certain questions at night, and it gets you thinking about all the things you really do have going for you. Jill, I know you and I have been using this book for, or this journal for quite a while. Um, it does help you get in that positive mindset and see positive things instead of what the world kind of gravitates us to with all the negative things going around. So uh, if you have not stopped by our booth, the Scaling Up H2O booth in the exhibit hall, we have a starter kit for the five-minute journal. In fact, I even have a video showing you how to use it. So please stop by, watch the video, start doing the journal, and I promise it will help you with some of those areas. If you want to buy the journal, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash journal. That just takes you to an affiliate link straight to Amazon. If you want to go on Amazon and find it yourself, you can do that as well. Um, but I just felt if I didn't share that with everybody, knowing how much that that's helped us through this personally, and then also as business owners, I just would be leaving something on the table that, that somebody could use. But I think that does tee us up perfectly for our next speaker. Our next speaker has two main roles, and he's going to tell you about those roles. 
But he's going to talk to us about, you know, navigating the pandemic and making sure not only we get through it, but we stay positive as we do this. So our speaker is Austin Causey. So please welcome him. Are you drinking enough water during this season? Now, I imagine that's probably not the first question you thought that I was going to ask, especially to a group like you guys, amazing water treatment professionals. However, it's an important question, and it's one that I hope that you will remember as you leave our time together today, is are you drinking enough water during this season? Now, my name is Alston Causey. I love the work that I get to do in a couple different roles. The two most important that I want to talk to you about today are my role as a travel agent, specifically the vice president of a travel agency based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and the second, my role as a pastor. So let me start with the travel industry world, because I'm guessing, like a lot of you, your industries, our industry was wrecked during the past six months. During this COVID season, as you can imagine, the travel industry exploded and not in a good way, right? Not only were all of our trips canceled, but we had to walk through that with every single client. Do they want to move? Did they have trip insurance? Did they not have trip insurance? Did they want to wait it out and see if they were going to get canceled? Which countries are shutting down? Which countries are open? It was chaos. And here's what I want to tell you. It's not over yet, but I do see a line on the horizon. And I think that we're starting to approach that line. And it's why I think this topic for today is so important is, are you drinking enough water during this season? You see, there's something that I noticed about two months in to the COVID-19 season, and that's this bottom line here, is that I think that the companies that respond best, and not just the companies, but the leaders, the companies and the leaders that respond best to this season will have a shot at becoming the best after this season is over. Let me say that again. The companies and the leaders that respond best to this season will end up having a shot at becoming the best companies and the best leaders out there after this season is over. And here's why I think that that is so important for me and for you. While I would never wish anything negative to happen to my competition, I don't believe in that. I do think that there will be opportunities to leverage, especially in our world, in the travel industry world, and probably in your world as well. Competition is thinning out as agencies and as industries and as companies that weren't prepared for this COVID season or that aren't responding to it well are dying out, that's an opportunity for you and for your company to leverage. And I wanna make sure that you do that incredibly well because here's what I know. And here's actually, it's a, it's a theory, but I think there's a lot of ground here. I think this is true. The end of the COVID season will actually be the starting line for the next season to come. And I think the next season is even more important. And here's what I want you to think about as you approach that starting line of the next season. I want you to think about it like a marathon. And I've run a couple marathons and there's one thing that I will tell you is incredibly important as you prepare for the starting line day, for race day. It's that you come not only trained, but you come hydrated. You come with energy. You don't show up exhausted, you don't show up burnout, and you don't show up unprepared. That's a way to drop out of the marathon. And I don't want that for you. And that takes me back to our original question from the beginning of this talk is, are you drinking enough water during this season? 
And I know that question sounds obvious. You're like, oh, I see. You want me to be hydrated because the starting line's coming. Yes, that's true. But I want to unpack what I think being hydrated in this season as we look towards the starting line actually looks like. And I think that there are three things that I want to unpack with you. But before we go there, let me tell you about my second role. So like I said, I'm the vice president of this travel agency that's over here, but I also work full-time as a pastor at Gwinnett Church. And I love being a pastor, not only because I love Jesus and I love everything that he represents. And here's what I know. I know that for some of you, when you heard that I'm a pastor, that may have some negative connotations for you. And so if that's true, I apologize for whatever your bad church experience might have looked like. But here's why I think it's important to tell people about what following Jesus looks like. Because in life, I think that when you know Jesus, it not only makes you better at life, but it makes your life better. And I will unpack that for anyone who wants to talk about it at another time. But today, here's why I'm talking about that for you. It's because I don't just care about you, and I don't just care that you're at this summit today because of your, world, your role in the business world. I care about you as husbands, as wives, as parents, as grandparents, as spouses. Those roles are just as important as the roles that you play in your business community. And I think if you lose sight of your life holistically, you might be winning at business and completely failing with your relationships. And so that's why I want to unpack these three things that I think will help you stay hydrated not just for your business life, although that will make it better, but these three things that'll help you stay hydrated holistically in your life in this season as you approach the starting line of the post-COVID season. So here's the first tip. Here's the first thing I want you to do to stay hydrated in this season. Tip number one is this, is that you need to be filling up, not only on work time, but filling up on your relationships, filling up on family time with those people that matter most to you. And here's why. I don't want you to sacrifice your family to succeed at business. Here's why. If you do that, you may win at business, you may have a lot of money, but countless people will tell you that isn't enough. And showing up at the finish line with a great business or even showing up at that starting line with a great business is not in the same realm as showing up prepared, but also with family and friends beside you. So don't sacrifice your relationships just to prioritize your work life. And here's something really practical because I know that pretty much sounds obvious. And a lot of the things I'm gonna say today may sound obvious, but it's more important to remember them and to apply them than it is to hear them for the first time. And here's why I think that's true. It's because if you don't prioritize these relationships, if you don't prioritize that quality time, like I said, you're going to end up at the starting line of the post-COVID season alone. And I don't want that for you. So practically speaking, here's one really easy thing you can do. And this is something that I did personally, because like I said, my world has been chaos for the last six months. But as I thought about this idea of filling up on my relationship time, here's one simple thing that I did. And I'm going to specifically talk about my relationship with my wife. So I went to her and I said, hey, you know how crazy things are right now, bringing her into my world. You know how crazy things are. You know that there are fires going left and right in the business world that we work in. But I want you to know that you are the most important part of my life. 
and I want you to help hold myself accountable because if I don't, and if you don't help me with that, I will run 100 miles an hour towards the business community and forget about the things that are most important to me. So will you help me stay accountable to our relationship? Will you help me prioritize date nights? Will you help me prioritize our quality time together? That is one simple way that you can fill up on your relationship time during this season so that you can show up at the starting line of post-COVID hydrated on your relationships. Now, for tip two, here's the second thing I want you to fill up on, is I want you to fill up on positive mental nutrition. And I know that sounds so weird, it sounds so ethereal, but here's what I mean by that, is typically in our lives, when work gets really busy, we start to you know, crowd out the things that really help us grow and help us learn. And I call that positive mental nutrition. For you, that might be a really good book. It might be a documentary. It might be a podcast that you love to learn and grow in. It might even be conferences like this. So way to go on showing up. That shows that you prioritize things like this. Don't lose sight of that as you continue to fill up and hydrate on your positive mental nutrition. Because here's what we do is we actually default to the things that are bad for us. We think, oh man, I'm exhausted. I just need to go binge watch a series on Netflix. That is a way to rest, but I'm telling you, it's not the same as hydrating on the things that are actually quality, positive mental nutrition. And so it's just one really practical step as you're walking to this is just to continue to set aside, even if it's 30 minutes, even if it's just a chapter a day, don't lose sight of learning and growing, or you'll come to the starting line of the post-COVID season exactly in the same place as you were at the beginning. So maybe that's reflecting for you. Maybe it's journaling and taking notes of what you're learning in this season so that you can apply it to your next season. That's another thing I want you to fill up on during this season. Now, the last thing I want you to fill up on, and this is one that I think is so, so important, especially for all of us who live in such a great country like the US. And that is to fill up on gratitude over comparison. That's right, I know it sounds super churchy, it sounds super weird, but I promise it applies to all of us. Filling up on comparison will fuel you for a little bit. But here's the analogy I wanna give you, and I know you guys will understand this because you're water treatment professionals. Filling up on comparison to fuel you and to look at your competition and have that be what inspires you to work harder and grow more, that's the same thing as filling up on untreated water. It may quench your thirst for a little bit, but a couple hours later, you're gonna get sick. And if, if you show up to the starting line of a race, like the post-COVID season, you're not only gonna not be able to finish that race, you're gonna end up worse off than you were before you started that race. So instead of filling up on the untreated water of comparison, I want you to fill up with gratitude and on a daily basis, look at the things in your life that you're grateful for. No matter what you've lost, no matter how hard this season has been for you, there have been things that have gone right or there are things in your life that are still on the upswing. And so I want you to focus on those things. There's actually been research done on this idea and doctors have said time and time again, that the people that do this gratitude exercise, maybe picking three things a day at the start of your day that you're grateful for, people that do this have happier lives. And that's a pastor, doesn't even matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, 
I want you to have a happier, more fulfilled life, a life of peace and joy. And so if you can do that, if you can fill up daily with gratitude, that is going to help you show up to the starting line of the post-COVID season, hydrated, ready, not burnout, not exhausted, ready to take on what comes next. So those are the three things. I know they sound simple, but I know that they will help you stay hydrated. Now, you can come to me and you can say, Alston, what about work? You didn't say anything about filling up on work. Well, that's because I think that's where you're already putting a lot of your time. And yes, working is like running. It is part of training for the marathon. However, if you only run to train for your marathon and you don't hydrate along the way, you may be ready to go as a runner, but you're not going to be ready. Your body's not going to be ready for what that race is going to take. So yes, work is a piece of it, but I know that you as high capacity leaders have no problem prioritizing the work that needs to be done. I think we actually need to pull back the reins a little bit and to hydrate on these three things that I said that are the most important to make sure we can sustain this next season that's coming at us. So from my heart to yours, I want you to think about these three things. Do I need to fill up on my relationships and my quality time? Do I need to be filling up on positive mental nutrition? Have I pushed that to the wayside in this season? And do I need to be filling up on gratitude over comparison? One of those three things is going to ring true with you today. And I want you to set aside some time. I want you to even write it down right now to prioritize filling up on that in the weeks or maybe even months to come. We don't know. But I do know that this season will end. And I do know that the next one is going to be better. And you have an opportunity, just like I said at the beginning. Those that respond to this season best will have a shot at becoming the best after this season's over. And that's what I want for you. So I'm so grateful you came to this conference. I'm so grateful you prioritized this time today. And I really do hope and wish you the best in the race to come. Austin, thank you so much for that. And ladies and gentlemen, members of AWT, I hope you found a handful of things that you could take back to your companies, to your personal life during the webinar that we just presented. I'm pretty sure you can, you can share some of those items with people in your company. You can act on them almost immediately. And you're probably frantically taking notes on some of the books that we've mentioned, some of the resources that we mentioned. Well, I'm here to say you don't have to do that. We have a PDF that you can download that has all of those resources on them. Again, hope you learned something. And Jill, I want to thank you for helping all the people that I think learned something today that feel maybe a little bit better about this crazy thing called the pandemic and the ever-changing world that we live in. Thank you, Trace. The only thing certain about the pandemic is nothing is certain during a pandemic. Things change sometimes on an hourly basis. And what we knew in March changed in April. It changed in May. It has changed today. I hope that this episode has helped you get up to date on some of the items you most likely had questions about. 
I hope it got you thinking about some of the new things that you can try, some of the new things that you should be doing within your territory, within your business. And above all else, I hope it allowed you to celebrate all of the successes that you have accomplished in the year 2020. Sure, you probably learned some new things on today's episode, but I am certain that you have also confirmed a lot of the things that you have already been doing. Please commend yourselves for all of that success. Folks, I will be the first to admit, one of the tougher things to do in 2020 has been networking. It is very hard, if not impossible, to get together and network during this year. But you can still do it. And we have a joint function plan with the Association of Water Technologies on December 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. It is a virtual hang. Now, many of you enjoyed the virtual hangs we did each night of the AWT convention last month. Well, it was so successful, we decided to work with AWT to make it a regular thing that we can all look forward to. So if you want to learn more about The Hang, very easy. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang. You can register there. And then on December 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, log on the Zoom room and I will guide you through a fun process that will lead you to meeting new people in your community. Folks, Last time we did The Hang, it was wildly successful. We all started out in a large room. I had a couple of anecdotal facts and different things that I shared with the group. And then I quickly got you into a smaller, perhaps five or six person breakout room where you had certain questions you were going to ask each other. But the bottom line was you were meeting people you did not know before. If you did, for some chance, get into a room with somebody you did know, you learned more about them. And more importantly, they learned from you. And what you're doing is creating a network. So when you have a question about something, when you need something, you are now collecting that network of people that can help you through those situations. So I urge you on December 10th, join us at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, you can do that by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang. I hope to see you there. And I also look forward to bringing you a brand new episode next Friday of Scaling Up H2O. Have a great week, folks.